God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we are able to live on this side of Christmas. That we know how the story goes. And we know the impact of the story. And so open our hearts as we hear a familiar part of the scripture and give us new insights. Give us a fresh wind of your spirit. We pray all this in the name of Christ who came as a babe. Amen. Well, I want to read for you out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And uh, this is considered an epiphany passage, post-birth. But it has significance to why Christ came and the impact he has on our lives. Starting with verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After that, they had heard the king. They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They went back to their home in a different way. They were forever changed. I don't know about in your family, but in my family, I have to say that we have a gift giver, a gift getter, I should say. A gift getter would be my wonderful and supportive wife. She's thinking ahead. She's detail-oriented. She's trying to, to think through what our family members would want for Christmas. And let me tell you, she has bailed me out. I mean, she has won me over with her way of rescuing me during special occasions because it'll be those moments where, where the kids may be off offering, opening a gift and as they're opening, I have no idea what it is. 
And, and I'll say, oh, that is so nice. And Delia will say, isn't that great? Your daddy and I thought you'd love that. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. She has saved me. She's the gift getter. My son is glad to be able to drive now, my youngest one, because for the longest time, he could not count on me to help him find gifts for everybody. And so now he can get gifts for us as a family. Maybe there's somebody in your family that is the gift getter. They know what kind of gifts need to be presented. They know what people would love. And there's something special about gifts where there's been some thought and some energy and some sacrifice. And so I I want us to think about this series we've been in. We've entitled it, All I Really Want for Christmas Is. And, And the first one was, All I Really Want for Christmas is for someone to rescue me. And we have that as a prayer and God has answered that prayer through Jesus and then we said all I really want for Christmas is a family we talked about how families have been redefined but apart from that one thing we can celebrate is that we have a family in the body of Christ that family is defined in many different ways and we're grateful that this is our family And if you're visiting today and you don't have a church home and you live out of town, I want to encourage you to find a church family. There's a lot of them. (laughs) And, And there's good ones. And so a family, someone to rescue me, and the other is someone to show up. You know, there's value when somebody shows up. When they come and do more than just make an appearance. But they embody love in their presence. And so we we did some wishing. The little kid in us did some dreaming. All I really want for Christmas is to be rescued. To have a family. To have someone come. Well, that someone did come. In Jesus Christ. As a child. And when he came, there were gifts brought to him. And today I want us to look at these men, in this case, magi, who presented gifts to Mary Joseph and specifically to baby Jesus. What I got for Christmas. I hope you got what you hoped for. I did. It was a day where I could just chill out. It was great. But I hope you got more than that, and even more than the gifts that were under the tree. Let me share with you what I believe I got and what we all got through this narrative, this epiphany passage. And one is the Magi. You know what? The men, we talk about men, and I want to be careful here. I don't want to be stereotypic, but I wondered what it would be like if it had been women who came. Um, tradition tells us it was men. Tradition tells us it was three. It could have been more. And they were wise men. They were Persian leaders, and we'll talk about that. But what if it had been women? 
A couple of things. One is, if it had been women in my household, they would have planned ahead. They would have gotten there before the baby even arrived. <laughs> and, and there would have been a festive party surrounding the whole thing and probably a large meal. But these men did the best they could do. And, and so they came, and they were men from the east, uh, some would call them priests, some astrologers. They were very intellectual astronomers. They were experts in interpreting dreams and magical arts. Uh, you might say that to the Persian kings, they were like a presidential cabinet. They were advisors, uh, students of Hebrew prophecy. And while they were not Jewish, while they were not Hebrew, they were very interested in the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, even as it was held in bondage and captivity to Rome. And so they knew the prophecies, and they knew that a newborn king would be birthed in Bethlehem. And so one of their motives in their three to four month time of arriving, this long journey, and they had to kind of work with Herod and keep him at arm's length because Herod was threatened. And, and, and so they made this lengthy journey. And as they made this journey, it says their motivation was to pay homage. Matthew 2, 2 says, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observe the star at its rising and have come to pay homage. Another word is worship. Now, these gifts were rather peculiar. I'm not sure they were dirty Santa gifts, but I mean, look at, take, take a look at this a little bit. The gold. They're, they're bringing a child a precious metal, a substance of great value. And yet, we would say, did not God incarnate leave a place, if we want to say it in terms of ways that maybe we've been told, left streets of it. And so they bring gold to this one called the Messiah. Strange gift. Incense. A little insensitive there, I would think. You know, that the strong fumes could be hard on the baby's respiratory system and myrrh I mean that's strange myrrh is used for embalming for a funeral why these gifts and how do they speak to who Christ is well I believe they speak with great significance. And, and one of those is the goal. Let's break that down a little bit. What is it that we got for Christmas out of the gold that was presented? Well, we got the affirmation that this truly was a newborn king. In that era, in that setting, historically and contextually, it would be inappropriate for you to approach royalty, a king, without gold on your possession to hand over. It was like your 
permission, your ticket to enter into a very special place and space. And so you could not see the king in many provinces without gold to give. And so the kings were presented gold. So it is that these magi, these teachers, these astronomers come and they, do they know something that we don't know? Well, I think they read up because in the Old Testament, what is the Old Testament for us? What was Holy Scripture current for them? They knew this was a king, but a king of a different type. This was, this was not a king that would rule, that was not in the sense of militant or aggressive, but humble and peaceable and this would be a king that was described in the Old Testament as the Prince of Peace and so Jesus is being recognized as king by these magi and he is king of kings and lord of lords we sing that in our anthems and our hymns and what gift do we bring Christ today? Are we willing to bring gold in the sense of are we willing to enthrone him, God, upon our hearts? Are we willing to let God have dominion over every category of our lives? Are we able to allow him to rule and to reign in who we are as we move into 2015? Because what we have found is when we have taken full control of our lives in a selfish way, the kingdom, our kingdom crumbles. But a king and a kingdom that's eternal is the one that entered and became like us in the Christ child. Well, gold, peculiar gift, but one of significance. Gold is a gift for a king. But then there was frankincense. It's interesting. Frankincense um, was, well, it had a sweet-smelling fragrance. And the idea is you would bring it to the meal offering in the tabernacle. And to pay penance before God, which we don't have to do it that way anymore because Christ has redeemed us and forgiven us of all our sin, but in that day, out of ritual, one would come and bring, as part of a meal offering, one would experience frankincense, and it would be the priest who would use it, and it would give off a pleasing aroma to God. Frankincense is a gift for a priest. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus would become a mediator for us. Jesus would become an intercessor for us. Hebrews, in our New Testament, chapter 4, verse 14, says this. Since then, we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God... 
that is our high priest, let us hold fast to our confession. So the Magi were on to something. That this advocate, this intercessor, this representative was embodied in human flesh. One who bridges us to God. One that allows us to commune with God. Have you ever had those moments in your life where you want to pray, but you just don't know what to pray? I've had those moments. Those moments where you go before God, you're meditating, and you're saying, God, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the solution is to the problem. And so I ask for even wisdom in my praying. And the New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I leave with you an advocate. Isn't that interesting? An advocate. And in the book of Romans, it says that when we are in those moments of grief or struggle or angst and we don't know how to pray, the spirit that abides with us, that very same spirit of Christ, intercedes before the Father. And we are heard. The passage says, with groans and moaning, it is interpreted unto God. What a wonderful thing that they would bring frankincense to a child who would become our priest and allow us to commune with our Creator. And then finally, myrrh. Myrrh was a perfume. It was costly. It was taken from bark and wood, and it would emit also a strong odor. It was found in Arabian deserts uh, from a tree, a bush-like tree, native to that area. And, um, and it was used for preparing a body for death. Mary and the other women, as they ran to the tomb, very well may have had myrrh. When they were looking for their Lord, who had been put to death, they wanted to honor him, and so they had myrrh in their basket. Isn't that a foreshadowing? that these magi must have known something that maybe we had not caught on to as humankind, that, that, that this one who came was born to die, that had a destiny, and that destiny directly affects us in terms of our quality of life and our eternal life. He would become the death atonement the ultimate sacrifice. They knew what sacrifice was. They knew from studying the Hebrews how they would bring a sacrifice to the altar. This atoning sacrifice, this one who had been placed in a cradle was destined for a cross. 
you know, these gifts were of great value in the marketplace. I mean, think about it, gold and costly perfumes and an incense. And in some ways, I, I think that they brought these gifts as a provision. God, through them, providing for this family. Isn't that like God? To provide what we need when we trust him. And so they could get a return on these gifts to get them through a period of time. But for humanity, these gifts speak to the ultimate gift. That love came down and dwelt among us, became God in a body and has experienced everything we've ever experienced. But not just one who would identify, but one who would give his life in death. And so as we move into 2015, in this epiphany, how'd you do this Christmas? <laughs> Did you get what you wanted? The wonderful thing for us is we received what we needed most. A king in an uncommon kingdom. A priest who would be our advocate and a savior who would give his life. And these are the byproducts we would be able to love because he came. To have joy, recognizing the presence of God. Peace. Serenity that God is ultimately in control. And hope. These are the gifts we take into 2015. And hope is what we have. Because one would come. And these magi told us how he could change our lives. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the power of story. And we thank you for the, the narrative of epiphany. And how even after you came, even after you were birthed, something special came. Strange visitors came to tell us who you really are and who you would become. Now help us to become like you as we serve you in this new year. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.